Hello, and welcome to Fairfax 50 Plus, a series featuring discussions on issues of interest to residents 50 and over. I'm your host, Jim Person, and with us today is Mike Perrell of the Fairfax Area Commission on Aging and Helen Sullivan, Communication Counsel for the International Parking Institute. Mike and Helen are both advocates for accessible parking, and they're here to discuss making accessible parking accessible again by eliminating something called disability plate and placard abuse. Definitely want to hear more and learn a bit about that. But first, let's learn a bit about our guest. Mike retired in 2009 from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, an engineer with degrees from Carnegie Mellon and Ohio Ohio State. That should be the The Ohio Ohio State. State. (laughs) He now shares his knowledge by providing community presentations on car safety and accessibility and supporting programs such as CarFit, Recently, he advocated for the installation of an accessible kayak ramp at Lake Akating to make it easy for seniors and people with disabilities to launch, paddle, and enjoy nature. Now, you might remember this is Mike's second visit to the show, and he's also appeared on Channel 16 TV's Mature Living program discussing older driver safety. He actually lives in the Braddock area where he gardens with his wife, cares for two senior cats, and he says according to his bio introduction here, struggles to play the accordion. We'll touch on that in a minute, Mike. Uh-oh. Helen is a native New Yorker who has lived in Fairfax County for the last 30 years. She's a graduate of Syracuse University and a fellow of the Public Relations Society of America. In addition to her work with the Institute, she's the chief liaison to its recently formed Accessible Parking Coalition. So, Mike, Helen, thanks to both of you for being with us on the podcast today. Glad to be here. Absolutely glad to have you. Mike, I do want to touch on the accordion. I, I think we talked before we hit the button. I would struggle to play the accordion because I have never done it. So why do, why do we say that? Uh, well, you have to keep track of what your left hand is doing, your right hand is doing, your brain is doing, and your muscles are doing to keep it uh, moving. Say no more. You had me at the, at the, at the one hand. <laughs> but fortunately, I did not bring it to play background music. Uh, on the well, shell. I, you know, I don't know how well you play or not play, but uh, I would I would I will agree with that. Yes. Thank you. Um, Helen, let's start with you. Um, International Parking Institute. I, for one, never knew there was even such a thing as that. Can you tell us a little bit about International Parking Institute? Well, I'm surprised you didn't laugh or make a joke because I get some pretty funny looks when I mention the International Parking Institute because very few people realize that parking is a profession. Uh, We're the largest association of parking professionals. And, you know, when you think about it, if you can't park, you can't go, right? And everybody wants to find that really good spot. Let's face it, I personally have superb parking karma. Anybody who drives with me is always quite shocked that I just naturally find a great spot. But um, if you think about it, every city, every university, every hospital, every airport, every sports stadium, I mean, any place you can think of, uh, there's usually a parking professional helping to make parking easier, faster, and better. And that is the goal of the industry. Hmm. And um, why and why the interest in accessible parking? Is that just part of the institute, or is there a, a special uh, special interest for accessible parking? Well, there really is because it's a very complex issue, and it's an issue that has been an ongoing challenge to the industry. Obviously, if you want to make parking easier for people, um, there are tremendous challenges with people who have disabilities in being able to park. 
And uh, we decided that we would, even though it's a gargantuan task, mm. that we would begin uh, by doing whatever we could, and that was uh, the establishment of the Accessible Parking Coalition. And, of course, you know, a very wonderful phrase and concept um, that really started with um, the disability community is this nothing about us without us, mm. right? I mean, you really can't, you know, uh, solve a problem without having all of the people around the table who are integrally involved mm -hmm. and um, have that problem. And so we're very proud of the stellar coalition that we have formed. And Mike was actually uh, at the Fairfax Area Commission on Aging was really one of the very first uh, to give a welcoming shout out to our um, concept. Do you want, want to add anything? Um, well, I think there were a couple of uh, serendipitous uh, discoveries and that I came across in trying to get this little project going. And one was discovering that um, Helen's organization was conducting a survey of people with disabilities nationwide to find out what the problem is. And I contacted her to um, see what they might be learning in that that could help us. And uh, I knew some things from my uh, research in the area that was helpful to her and her organization as well. So. It's a nice connection there. Mm. Survey. Uh, is that survey done, Helen? Yeah, yes, absolutely. We're very proud of it. I think it was the first national survey that was done about accessible parking among people with disabilities. Wow. And, you know, what's interesting, everybody knows anecdotal, anecdotally that this is a huge problem, but there really wasn't the proof in the statistics to drive that point home and help get attention for this issue. Mm. Uh, so we conducted this national survey late in 2017, and the report was issued just this year. And it skewed a little bit more towards people who have um, severe mobility disabilities because the survey was actually distributed to, through uh, the American Association of People with Disabilities, through some veterans groups, and the National Council on Independent Living. Now, these are all people who are like founding members including the U.S. Access Board of the Accessible Parking Coalition. And what we found was, you know, staggering. The problem was, you know, worse than we thought. Um, mm. Basically, 96% of the people surveyed, and we had a tremendous response to the survey, so very statistically valid. 96% um, say parking availability is important to leading an independent life, and yet more than half have decided not to make a trip because they had concerns about finding parking. Wow. Um, so huge issue for people with disabilities and their ability to live their lives. Wow. Wait, were, um, were other folks other than the, the members of the coalition involved in the, in the survey? Was there other kind of feedback? Uh, did you hear like uh, misunderstandings of, you know, well-intentioned people who maybe take spots or you know, what I'll call the the everyday Joe out there, were they involved in the survey? Um, this was not general general consumers, no. Gotcha. That type of survey may come. But I will tell you, I have a book here on my desk that is, you know, six or seven inches thick because we had so many people respond. And in addition to the closed-ended questions, um, there were open-ended questions where people could provide, you know, heartfelt and emotional responses to the problems that they have faced with parking. Hmm. And it is a subject really near and dear to their hearts. I mean, there are uh, stories of people who have 
parked somewhere, were able to get a parking spot, but then, you know, the cross-hatched areas uh, near where you would have to get a wheelchair, uh, a van ramp or a lift to exit or enter the vehicle. So somebody with a disability might go shopping, having found a spot, they come out, and somebody who doesn't know better has used that cross-hatched area to mm. park too close to their vehicle. There are stories of people waiting hours and hours and hours uh, just for somebody to return to their car so they mm. can go home. Um, some terrible stories like that. Yeah, Mike, uh, you look like you wanted to say something. Well, wanna, J- feel free to jump in. I didn't know if you were going to ask me, but I wanted to tell you what I learned about the extent of the problem in Fairfax County. Yeah, please. I mean, Helen has a really good national picture from some of the data she's got. So what I've learned from uh, the police um, is that here's some numbers that are kind of interesting. And back in 2009, the number of citations for for violations of accessible parking, you know, people who park there without a placard or, or proper tag was 780. In 2010, it was 833. In 2011, it was 719. And then we'll jump to 2015, it was 470. And 2016, 321 is the last date I had. So you might wonder what's going, what's, down. What's, what's going down. So the police officer who had the data was very, had some insights. He said, well, the, the number one uh, enforcement officer retired about that time. <laughs> So, but but the important thing also is, of course, those are just the known violations. Right. And um, think about drivers who are, are just parking without a permit, who think they're just running in quickly, they're not right. going to be caught. Right. Um, drivers who borrow permits, uh, they don't really need them. But you know, a friend had one. Um, in California, I was reading some news that there are a lot of people who died who had a permit and that permit still gets used. Right. Uh, and then drivers who had permits, maybe they had a temporary disability, uh, an operation. They don't really need it anymore, but they're still using it. Gotcha. Uh, so. Well, I was going to say on those numbers, I, would, I think within a year, I see at least three or 400 people parked in an accessible spot that don't have a decal or sticker or something like that. So I always want to know what can I do other than going up and publicly shaming them and then maybe they, you know, come out of the car with a, you know, something and attack me? What, you know, what can I do? Well, yeah, don't, don't become a citizen police officer. Uh, the police discourage that. And I think there's been some national stories about some, some bad things happening. Um, mm-hmm. So I would just call the police non-emergency number. If there is somebody, if you're at a shopping center parking lot, uh, where there's somebody you can talk to, you right. can ask, talk to them about it. Right. Well, I think, am, 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 you know, I had a personal history with my mother who became disabled later in life uh, and had to have the accessible wheelchair and that kind of thing. And I think that's what really has got me so, it's one of my pet peeves when I see people parked in accessible parking spots or parked in front of a, sh- uh, a shopping center door in the fire lane. Those two things really just set me off. <laughs> right. And, and you wonder when people see on the sign that it's a $500 fine, uh, I guess they feel they can get away with it, but yeah. not, every, not everybody does, and you're, yeah. you're taking a chance. Yeah. Now, I know our listeners can't see it, Mike, but you've, you've brought a sign in here that you and I are looking at it, and I think we're, we're 
we're talking about a, a proposed uh, remedy here, and we're calling it an empathy sign, if that's if if that's the correct word. Right. And so, kind of describe it visually so I can our folks okay. can hear it. Um, th- this is a sign that would go underneath the required uh, ADA sign uh, that has a photo of a person with a disability sitting in a wheelchair. And the tagline on the sign is, think of me, keep it free. And uh, this is an idea that I stumbled across. Uh, Strangely enough, I was on an airplane looking for something to watch. uh, And there was a National Geographic TV show called um, Crowd Control. Mm. And the the, um, person on the show was demonstrating how you can change human behavior with intrinsic motivation, uh, empathy. And so the thought behind the sign of having a a real person saying, think of me, uh, was to engender empathy and you'll think more about them and instead of the extrinsic motivation of the potential $500 fine. Right. Gotcha. Is that no, that and I think sense. that is so true. I do, because I think sometimes people have seen the sign with the penalty. They've seen it so much that they don't really see it anymore. I think seeing uh, these empathetic signs have tremendous value. I've seen videotapes where they've seen a car about to go into a spot that was meant for people with disabilities. They saw one of these empathetic signs and they backed out. Uh, so I think there is a lot of value to this approach. So where are we at? Is this just an idea? Is this a prototype? Tell me. Okay, so uh, there there are a number of um, things that happened uh, that I got involved in and got a tremendous amount of help to make it happen. But the TV show was kind of an inspiration for an idea that I thought, well, why don't we try it here? And when I did some research on it, I found out that some somebody, an advocate, uh, in Colorado and their Disability Services Board had seen the same show some time ago, and they had actually installed some of the signs as a little test at a suburb of Denver. Oh, and uh, their uh, informal data from the police is the citations did reduce, get reduced uh, um, substantially. Uh, and that gave me the idea of is maybe we should try a little test here in Fairfax County and, and see how it works in a little more formal way because, because citations are maybe not the best measure right. of effectiveness since it's kind of, you know, I, sh- I explained about you know, right. if you have a police officer who's uh, uh, looking out for it, you'll get a high number right. and there's a lot of variability. So um, I had help from the uh, Commission on Aging, the Disability Services Board to support uh, this little project, my, my Braddock District Supervisor the Disability Services and Planning Division here to help get signs printed. And then um, the most importantly, I had help from the students in the psychology department at George Mason University to conduct a small-scale study where we put the sign on a few spaces in the shopping center across from the campus. Mm. And... uh, can I explain yeah, a little yeah, bit more about yeah, the study? Please, you, you've, you've um, piqued my interest now. Okay. Don't stop. <laughs> and it was a small-scale study. It was you know, uh, like a pilot study um, because we had student volunteers. Uh, the t- professors thought this would be a good learning experience for them too, as mm-hmm. well as helping the community. And basically, the study was 
to have students observe uh, four parking spaces is mm -hmm. how all we could manage. Uh, two weeks without the sign, with the standard accessible parking sign. Two weeks with the sign and two weeks without the sign. And the student observers uh, were looking for two things, outright violations where someone parked but did not have the t right tag or the mm -hmm. placard. Mm -hmm. And then they looked at something, uh, I think Helen briefly mentioned, he we call them hesitations. Someone comes in, presumably sees the sign, says, oh, yeah, I really shouldn't be taking this person's sign, uh, place, and they back out. So, gotcha. you know, back outs. And, and they tried to distinguish whether it was just someone who, you know, saw the sign versus someone who was just using that space to turn around and go in a different direction. And, and they found some interesting results that um, did confirm uh, the hypotheses that we came in with, which was violations did go down and hesitations went up because, mm. you know, there were more people who pulled in, saw that, and backed out. It, because it was a small study, it was not statistically significant, but it confirmed things that we had seen in Colorado sure, sure. and uh, what we expected. Right. Helen, had you heard about this? Are you hearing this? I mean, what's, what's y'all's take on this? And is, you know, is this something that could be expanded? I mean, what's, what's the next steps, Helen or Mike or, you know, whoever wants to kind of go from I, there? I would like, yeah, I would actually, I'd love to see this expanded. I think there's a lot of value to this. I think a lot of people, you know, are mostly good and don't necessarily want to create a problem, uh, but they are not aware. They're not, they haven't, you know, experienced what it's like. Uh, to have a disability and to have this problem. I do want to say one other thing, you know, um, you know, the whole idea of sort of citizens enforcers is, you know, can be dangerous. Um, there's a lot of programs across the country which are exploring a little bit of that. One of the problems, if you sort of take this into your own hands, is that um, a lot of people with hidden disabilities that deserve to have a placard are sometimes targeted. Uh, somebody sees somebody walking uh, fairly well or they don't have a wheelchair and they immediately rush to judgment uh, to think that maybe they shouldn't have it. But there are other uh, ailments. There's respiratory issues, um, blindness, you know, if somebody is a passenger, you know, so there are other issues why a person would need an accessible spot. So we do have to be careful there. One of the problems that enforcement is not really very viable is because it takes so many resources from local enforcers and police, mm -hmm. and they just don't really have the time to run these sting operations, which when they do are very successful, but it's hard to uh, maintain that. And uh, Jacksonville, the city of Jacksonville, Florida, has actually a wonderful uh, program where they really educate and train uh, people who are retired enforcers uh, and others to become citizen enforcers, but it's it's something that we're just learning about how mm. that would work. There's a lot of opportunities there, perhaps if done right. Interesting. And Mike, Fairfax County, kind of where you know what, where where are you going, or where you hope to be going with this? Well, I think uh, some little steps might be taken. The um, county uh, disability services planning development office is exploring uh, whether they can get approval to try some of these signs at some of the government. Uh, office parking lots, and if we do, by the, uh, I wanted to mention something that Helen came up with uh, to, that we a better tagline might be something we'll use instead of "Think of me, keep it free." The "keep it free" part 
maybe had some um, confusing uh, interpretations to people mm. as to, you know, was this something that was going to be charged? We were going to pay for something oh, gotcha. as opposed to keeping the space free. So Helen and her organization came up with a better tagline of uh, think of me park legally. Oh, it still yeah. rhymes. Yeah, yeah. And believe it or not, there's research that shows when things like this rhyme, you remember it better and you pay more attention. Gotcha. So the rhyme is actually cute. It also uh, helps to make it more effective. Interesting. So they're looking at exploring adding some of these uh, signs to government places. And then just publicity through this podcast might help because if there are uh, apartment buildings or condo associations where a lot of these violations I hear about also happen. Maybe they just want to try it. It's right. a, even though we don't have, you know, the the largest study, the most definitive study. It's a, it's a relatively inexpensive thing to try. Yeah. So if someone's listening right now and they want to, you know, if they're they you know are a homeowners association or apartment complex or somebody you know that's that's in authority, you know, kind of you know apartment complex or shopping center or small retail strip center. Who would they contact? Where would they go to? Can they get some of these demonstration signs? Or no, I think they're going to have to get it printed themselves. But okay. I mean, the main thing is you're not you don't want to change the existing required ADA right. sign. Just an addition and, to. You know, I did contact the police officers to make sure we weren't going to be uh, adversely affecting their ability to, right. to um, uh, cite people. They said no. You can as long as the existing sign is there and designed according to code and, and the uh, ADA guidelines, adding the sign won't affect their ability to right. um, issue tickets. Helen, is this something? Actually, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and that's exactly the kind of thing. There's so many great programs. Uh, people are trying to solve this problem around the country. And, you know, when Mike has you know graphics ready for this sign, even if somebody would have to produce it themselves, they shouldn't have to design it. Um, and that's exactly the kind of thing that we want to share on our website, um, the Accessible Parking Coalition website, so that people don't have to reinvent the wheel. They can come to one collaborative resource center and share materials and ideas. Okay. Well, you mentioned that website. Can you throw out that address so folks listening can, can jot it down? Sure. It's just uh, accessibleparkingcoalition.org, and we've just launched it literally in the last week or two, and uh, it is meant to be a resource center. So what we found is that there are some great studies and a lot of research that are happening. Um, Mike has done his program. There's also stuff happening in L.A. and Massachusetts and Texas has a huge report. And a lot of cities and states and universities that are trying to solve this problem don't know what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. Colorado just enacted um, legislation. Uh, they actually call it the Chris Hines Act, uh, named after the citizen activist who was involved in getting the legislation passed. And um, another city shouldn't have to redesign or, you know, rewrite that legislation. They can just borrow from what other people are doing. So that's what um, the website is really all about. All right. Okay. I feel like we could talk about this a whole lot more, but unfortunately, we're already over our time. But I want to give each of you a final 30 seconds or so for final words. Uh, Helen, we'll start with you. Anything else from the Accessible Parking Coalition or anything else on this topic of uh, disability plate and placard abuse that we're talking about today? Well, I would encourage people to go to the AccessibleParkingCoalition.org website and become a friend and share resources and learn about uh, proper etiquette surrounding this issue, and become a citizen activist. Awesome. Mike? Well, I think we covered quite a bit of what I wanted to say, so, you know, I just thank you and, uh, you know, thank 
Helen uh, for the work she's doing and, and the people who helped me get this little project going too. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely uh, something I think is needed and we'll, uh, we'll definitely want to follow up with you in maybe six months or so and see how the progress is going and uh, see if we can, uh, can make a difference out there. So Helen uh, Sullivan, Mike Perel, thanks for being with us today. Again, for more information about accessible parking, you can go to accessibleparkingcoalition.org. And if you need to find county older adult services, recreation, community engagement opportunities, you can dial 703-324-7948 or go to fairfaxcounty.gov slash older adults. When you're on that page, you can subscribe to the monthly Gazette News, Golden Gazette newspaper, uh, Fairfax 50 Plus e-news, and also link from there to the Fairfax 50 Plus Facebook page. Thanks again for joining us on the Fairfax 50 Plus podcast produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia government. <music>